Freaks, welcome to another episode of the Masters of Sport podcast here with Earl Kunkel, co-author. Hey. Sports Performance Bible. Go to garagetrank.com and pick it up today. Bye. You forgot parabolic periodization. And parabolic periodization. Okay. Sports Performance Bible is more current and recent. Yeah. And awesome. Go Tigers. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Going to the Super Bowl. By this time, he will have either he, won he, or he, lost. He would have won or lost by now. I think he can be the th- only the third quarterback at this time to win an national championship and a Super Bowl. Oh, no kidding. I think Joe Montana. Okay. I forget who the other one is who did it. Why can't I not? Did Montana yeah. go to USC? Notre Dame, buddy. Oh, my God. It's terrible. What am I thinking? That's all right. I was thinking like Doug Flutie was the Notre Dame one. Who else? Was no, he was Boston Wait, College, who, yeah. wasn't he? I don't know who I can't think who? of who it was, but I know Montana was one of them. I Montana feel it was like someone Bro. from like the fifties. Like you'd be like, oh, oh I don't know who that. A while is. ago, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really. I don't have a statistician in my ear like uh, yeah. one of those announcers, yeah, like that'd a whole be producing. Nice if we had got someone so, on a computer that they could f- figure that out. It'd for be us. even better if we had their budget. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Be like, all right. Oh, I like that we shirt. We could actually man. get paid. Oh, this shirt? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really comfortable shirt, too. That was like my it's cozy high school. Listen yeah. to that. I feel like I learned more from them and books I read than I ever learned in school. I mean, very likely. Yeah. I always Those felt Tulip Quali sort of fell off then by like 2010, 2012. Uh, whereas I feel like most defs still like yeah, relevant. Black Dane has a Black Star shirt on. Who I saw live. Yeah, take that. You know one of my favorite albums ever. Just real quick, most defs. Uh, the New Danger. I almost feel like, is it the New Danger when he has the band Blackjack Johnson on it? So it's like Doctor No. Um, I know the album. I don't know if that's Bernie Worrell yeah. from uh, P Funk playing the keys. I don't know and, if and that's the actual the r- name of the album. The new da- I think it's the new danger. Okay. I think it is, but the band is Doctor No is like bad brains for the, anyone too, and it's just it's so good. It's so good. Y E A. Yeah, you could get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. There's gonna be three people watching this this that know what you're talking. I about. don't care. No, Someone I else can go and look it up it, and yeah. educate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I might listen to that on my car ride. Like the rest of this see week that's now. what happened to me last week with Lucas is I was like dude I forgot like dad music I actually do like some Steely Dan songs yeah I I don't know if I'm that far yet but I do love dad rock like I, I just hadn't listened to it and like my appreciation came to the surface wonderful yeah some of my favorite bands right now I consider dad rock but they're like putting music out now yeah, right now yeah like Hal and Rain um, yeah. Wilco, even I like. I consider that dad rock. No, Wilco is dad rock. Yeah, I know. That's wonderful. It's great. Jeff Tweedy's awesome. So is Nels Clark. He's like 50 years old. Whatever. I know. I'm just saying he's so like literally you. a I saw you take probably. that old man test, too. I took it afterwards after seeing what it was. I did way better than you, and I didn't cheat either. How did I cheat? You posted that leg up on the other leg. That wasn't against the rules. Yeah, it was. That was. I thought I did a good job nah, in that. You cheated. <laughs> you were right though. It was way harder when the shoe was on to balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way harder. Weird. It was like I would have preferred to like take my other shoe back yes, off and do the and other. And do one. it again. It would have yeah. been. It was so weird because then you got like squishy. Yeah, especially because I did it in my running shoes and yeah. that, like 
I should have put on like uh, like a like CrossFit flat, like, like Converse flat. shoes yeah. would have been the best probably. And it would have been so much easier then. But yeah. I'm like, oh man, it's like going here. Yeah, that was weird. All right. Speaking of doing old man stuff and having a shoe on that can't balance, let's talk about like symmetry and how ooh, ooh, how that works out. I hate that. That's like my right leg. Yeah. Everyone knows where they're asymmetrical. Yeah, you like, feel it. You feel like it's know- dead. Anyone who is an athlete yeah. knows it. Like, True. Without question, they can feel it in their body. Like, yeah. And they're just like, come on, do something. <laughs> yeah. like, be better. <laughs> why are you lagging beyond? Yeah, why are you so dumb? Oh, man. It's like when I try to jump off my right foot. I'll try and jump oh, yeah. off it. I'm like, wait, how do people do this? So. For those of you that Dane knows this, Dane has trained me the whole time, and I have had a torn right pec, partially torn pec. I have I didn't get it fixed yeah. because to me at the time when I tore it, it was more important to be able to play bass guitar in a band <laughs> than get my pec fixed because it was like I'm in my 30s. I I'm not pursuing anything athletically. Little did I know I was going to get really into weightlifting and be respectable as. A master's and you should have got it fixed yeah and i probably should have got it fixed but anyway i didn't yeah so through my right pec being torn my body over the course of training developed these weird even like was it like your hip like your left hip or something my my right it was my right hip still okay like yeah i remember it was some my um my like groin it was like yeah the whole thing was was weird yeah and to this day, I think, too, it has to do with, like, previous injuries with my ankle, too. My left leg is visibly larger than my right leg. Like, yeah, that's weird. I can see it. Um, and it's just, it's crazy stuff. Like, there's things with my abs that happen all from one muscle right. in the chain. Yeah, and so think about think about that. If you're if you're an athlete who is like, uh, uh, dude, throwers are the worst because they're always rotating to that one side, and then and then like the opposite rotation is so like their their patterning is like light years behind. So if you're training anything in the weight yeah. room opposite, it's just. Bru- like think about a golfer swinging the club right away. You know, it's, it's gonna feel really odd because it is odd for your body to do it and think about it we start teaching asymmetric movement from the time a child is about three or four years old well i mean even when they bat in baseball right you know think about writing yeah writing when they're, like, yeah no one teaches to power through being ambidextrous yeah when you're yeah very nobody. few people like have the patience to be like yo you're gonna learn how to do it with both hands not the one that's just naturally happening that would be interesting to see the brain power because like left hand like when they when they studied left-handed piano uh, players yeah like even just watching their brain waves i think sam's so athletic i wonder what that role that plays he plays well piano, he played piano he? yeah yeah, no. yeah piano i think is great but i'm thinking i'm thinking even in the li- like when they watch someone do something right-handed they can mirror okay yeah yeah so they're mirror neurons are much more powerful than a right-handed individual because um because An ambi- you're talking about someone who's ambidextrous or right? left-handed okay because lefties are like what 15 percent of the population yeah they hardly see yeah it so, done. They, so they see it done and then they they're able to flip it 
whereas a right-handed person is so used to seeing it done on their side, they still have prominent mirror neurons, but they are not as dominant as a, or maybe maybe not as advanced as a left-handed person. Wow, that's interesting. I, that's like that whole thing, like never occurred to me to think about it and this is where i think too it's like if you're like you know you also do this okay if if i do a single leg squat if i do my left leg first my right leg will get half the reps because i just die my right leg is even though it's my dominant leg from throwing i've and you decelerate into your left leg i feel like that leads to your left leg being so strong Uh but then you know what ends up happening is that your right leg basically shuts off and yeah. and isn't isn't coordinating as well. So, so speaking of that, I've told you this. I started having my son who's lifting, like yeah. starting to just teach him the movements, and he's starting to look like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But I refuse to teach him how to split jerk. Yeah, that's where what you when we've talked about that. I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting. It's a good experiment because it's either. He's either going to have a very vertical dip and drive no matter what and uh-huh. be fine if you would ever switch him to split jerk. But he also will grow up and understand how to control that, that he may never actually have a need to transfer to a yeah. split. You know, and we it, don't know. And we'll, if, we'll he, have to see. if he's into it then, too. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm dealing yeah, with he a might back kid. out in five years. Yeah. He's only 11. You know? Yeah. It's okay. It's not a big deal. But yeah. I'm just – and, it, too, at that point, if he is into it and he is good enough, like – all right, we'll go all in. Like, yeah, we have to. This is it. this is the price you pay for greatness. Sometimes, right? right like, right. You, all right. So it's interesting because he is power jerking. He's not favoring one side yeah. over the other. But I already see him doing little things to, to favor. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's funny, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. Well, I think the best way for someone to to understand with with some symmetry is that if you have like great example, let's say you have a a bum left knee, and you're doing a back squat you are almost always going to start to favor that right side. And so what happens is your right knee might start to hurt or your right ankle or your right lower side of your back because you're like rotating to that side to protect your left. And so then it's like just leads to all these lists like cascade of problems. And that's the one thing with if you're in a sport that is more prone to be asymmetrical you have to find that happy medium to make sure that you're training the dominant side accordingly for the specific sport, but while while falling really closely to the to the that gray area of I need to train structural integrity while having a minimal inhibition on sports performance. Yeah, essentially, because because so, you don't want anything. What I heard there is. Asymmetries will occur. Like you yes. cannot escape them. No. Like there's, there's no like, I don't know, computer program. You draw a line on one side and it mirrors it perfectly on the other. Like no. that just doesn't happen on the human body. Like it. Think about it. You if you the way you sit. Yeah. Will contribute to an asymmetry, Absolutely. eventually occurring. If you put your left leg. Up, I was just gonna say a lot most like. On your right leg like this, my left hit will automatically end up being more mobile than my right over the long run. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you'll notice that. You'll you'll notice that when you're traveling. Yeah. Stuff like that's normal. Like, people see that a lot. But we do have to address the asymmetry zone training. Yeah. And you started getting into that stuff. Um, How do we do it with unilateral work? 
I always think it's like you you figure out where that dominant side is, and you almost always will train the non-dominant first. So if I'm going to do a single leg squat, and I'm uh, or the you know for me, even though my right side is my dominant side, my left side always feels stronger when I do a single leg squat. So I will do my right leg first, okay, and then I do my left leg. Um, if I have if I have you know someone who has like a baseball pitcher is a good example. We're almost always going to do dumbbell work. We're almost always going to really focus on just really good patterning with dumbbells. And then even to a point, we might do like one arm dumbbell presses and do their right arm first if they're if they throw right handed, because typically in a pitcher, when they're doing a lift, their dominant arm will actually be their left because they're so dude, pitchers just are ruining their right shoulder, right, and right elbow. <laughs> so it's like. It's it's understanding what 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 type of movement will have a negative impact on symmetry, and then uh, finding you know b- the best rule of thumb is always to train the non-dominant first, and then always train whatever you know whatever problem area first. You know if you're trying to to alleviate that that now do you program problem. this stuff just to correct asymmetries, or do you also program prevent this? too? All right, prevent injuries. Yeah. You're saying that, yeah. So now, it's like the thing is, is like think about if 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 I have a track athlete and they're going to compete in May, that's when they're going to peak, try and win a state title for high school. Um, all of the like prevention work will be done from basically like January or February back to September. You know, so then that way by the time. February, March, April rolls around. They have like 14 to 16 weeks to really train hard rolling into okay. the season. Because you should be able to create you, – you should be able to develop a an athlete well enough without the symmetry issues. They're, they're still going to be there because they're throwing. Um, but, but you should be able to get them to the point where it's like it's a minimal risk. Could you see an athlete – so um, – defense alignment or sprinter which leg is lead in the three-point stance or in their track stance yeah will that will that asymmetry matter yes yeah yeah now this is one thing i will give football is that you know when we grew up playing very rarely would you see guys switching their stance um d-backs and stuff did back in the day but like yeah you know i graduated high school in 2002 why was i not taught how to have a three-point stance from each side yeah that's pathetic and the fact that I wasn't taught that is just terrible, you know. And, and you know, I was taught it in 2009 when I played arena football. But it's like that's something that you see now with these guys. Yeah, they're they're they have three or four different stances because they want you to to be guessing that much. I'm starting to hear too that asymmetries now lead to a decrease in sports performance. Yes, a little bit, 100. percent Especially if it's not a I don't want to say technically addressed, if you will. Yeah. Yes, like it, it can impact your ability to actually succeed in the sport if you're dri- if you're driven and have that talent. Think about a lineman who who let's say they can put the left hand or their right hand down. Okay, that's fine. So it's hard to it's hard to figure out what their first step's going to be. Um, oh, I mean, you know what your first step's going to be, but but if they have moves from both sides, now you just opened up their book as a D lineman, a D lineman yeah. making stunts. Okay. Then you even put them into a more confined stance. If you watch someone like Aaron Donald, 
and you compare him, and I'm only, you know, Von Miller, yes, he plays for the Rams, but if you watch traditional Von Miller, you know, where he's coming off the edge, or or, or Bosa from, from the Niners, he's got this long, long start, okay, like sprinter start, coming off the edge, he's, he's a pass rusher, D-end. Aaron Donald's in the middle. He's traditionally going to be more compact with his stance. But if you pay attention to Donald, he has in his in his little in his I don't know in his, his arsenal. Toolbox, yeah, yeah. His arsenal. <laughs> he's typically right arm down, left arm down, compact. Sometimes he lines up you know, with a specific technique based off the gap. But then, the, but then he's also occasionally he goes into that long stride stance where he's like, I'm bringing you know it's third yeah. and fifteen. I'm bringing it. Here it comes. I'm, yeah, I'm bringing it. If I don't see a, a, sc- a screen or a little draw, I'm bringing it full steam for for a pass rush. So these guys have like four or five different stances now that they're pulling from, and that makes it harder to block them. Yeah, way harder. Yeah, it's like having somebody. If you wrestle somebody who who wrestles their left leg as their lead leg, they're really hard to wrestle because it's 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 not typical. But that makes it if you know, and that's one area where where Americans have always struggled is that we wrestle Russians that have a very orthodox, sort of like neutral stance here. Yeah. Whereas uh, uh, Americans will have like a lead leg, and so then that's another area where like the Russians might not have theoretically might not have as many imbalances imbalances because of their traditional stance versus the Americans. Both of them have a plus. And uh, you know, I wonder what it'd be like if you started training a wrestler with all three stances. It probably like right leg it, forward, left leg forward, and like that more traditional s- symmetric looking so one. I think I think it's tough because like okay, so Winky Wright, who was a boxer, left handed, uh, a big, a really good, not big, but he's like a one fifty pounder. You know, early two thousands to two thousand tens, like one of the best technical fighters ever. Not a freak of nature, but you know, world champ. Uh, look him up. Occasionally, he would switch his stance and throw right-handed punches, um, and he and he had a left-handed stance. I think boxers have played around with this a bit, and MMA guys have played around with it a bit. But I still think that it it does inhibit. You're so powerful from your dominant side, yeah, that it can be a little bit of a problem. It's now, almost like you're cutting off your potential a little bit if yeah. you try to. Now, in theory, with a fighter, some guys have said, if I'm if I have a left-handed stance, but I'm right-handed, now my jab's gonna be or whatever, yeah, uh, cross. I guess I don't know the the. T- now my lead arm here is gonna be heavier than it otherwise would be if I if I had my traditional stance. So it's like. The power switches to a different movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still think it comes back to the discussion of doing, if you need to be really, really good at something, you need to do it a lot. So with linemen moving between five or six stances, it's a lot easier than, um, because they're just learning the dance from different positions, whereas the speed of striking... um, and the magnitude of power output and, and 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 the risk can be can be tragic in, in MMA. Yeah, or it's boxing. more com- it's compounded more. Too. Yeah, so it's like it's like weighing the risk level essentially. And some of these guys are capable of doing it. Yeah, no, John Jones has done it when he was ripped out of his mind on <laughs> blow. <laughs> but like, I mean, even Henry like Cejudo old. has done that. Where where he's you know. 
based off of his wrestling stance, he can throw crazy. You know, I mean, when he was still fighting, he would throw crazy leg kicks uh, with the, with the opposite stance. You know, so I don't. It's interesting. It's like uh, it's stuff that people probably thought about, but they didn't. Athletes, sports science wasn't where it was. You know, yeah, twenty thirty years ago, especially with modern day sort of. I want to say almost the transparency of everything we get. Through social, social media. media, yeah, you can see how and these then guys the sharing of information yeah, it's as crazy. well too. It's crazy, and it's like, dude, when we grew up in the in the nineties, like they were doing research on like med ball bench and how it transfers to an explosive bench press and it increases your lockout. Like, okay, cool. Well, I want to see what a real study to me would be like this. Like, yeah, these are like real cool <laughs> nitty gritty studies. Like, yeah, of course, bad ball bench is going to help your, your yeah. bench press. But that research hadn't been done, so it needed to be done in the 90s. And, and that's when you know, we grew up. So it's like now you see the, some of the research that, you, that, you're, that you're reading is like, you know, uh, biceps femoris activation in bobsled pushers versus, versus a sprinter. And it's like, wow, I never thought I would read that study, but it's interesting. Yeah. You know, that sounds cool, too. I wonder if just, I don't know. Well, because now, of the like, ice, you know, how, how the ice, and it can really focus more It gives on, you, like, a point of contact more, yeah, if it, you will, for, like, stability, right? Yeah, but, but they're, they drive more. They're more, they're, more, they're more just driving, and they're pushing a heavy object, so that, that leads more to their quads and glutes. See, I don't know if this relates at all. So have you ever tried doing, like, just a normal sit-up with a dumbbell, like, behind your neck? Yeah, like an old-school one? Yeah. Like crunch? Yeah. And nothing anchoring your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the hardest things for me ever. Like yeah. It, it just kills me. If my toes just touch something as if they're being anchored, I can do it effortlessly. That's – And I don't – I'm trying to figure out neurologically what, what goes on that my muscles all of a sudden it can could be, do it. It could be a trigger in your hips, yeah. your hip flexor. If and your hip flexor acti- is activated a little bit more, now that's going to help with your gut. But – it makes me think of that same thing when, like, all right, let's see what the bicep does now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like that. So What's the difference between the two? Yeah. You know? And yeah. How does it relate to one of it? Right. That's why you keep me around, because I have stupid <laughs> thoughts like that. <laughs> all right. So asymmetries then. How do they impact training? Like, so I think back, and this is personal. We, we talked about my pec and how I would always have the groin issue that would come up. Yeah. I swear I got every type of way you could do a Cossack squat to the point. Yeah, because I, tr- I got to the point where I had overhead Cossack squats and I was doing them with 60 kilos over my head. Yeah, and, and I even had I might have even had like overhead sliding Cossack you squats. Did. Dude, it, I had everything. Was, I mean, <laughs> any type banded of vari- Cossack squats, any type of variation of a Cossack squat. I got it in some way. And, you know, to your credit, I stopped having. Like the knee, groin yeah, like the groin, I yeah. The knee came in as much. Up. I think it's like I think that's the whole thing, though, is it's being aware. Uh, and that, dude, that's what pisses me off with this past fall with my throwers training is that I felt like I did a better job of taking care of their mobility inside the workout. Like their accessory movements were like really well thought out accessories that I thought would alleviate any asymmetries from their heavy squats uh-huh. to prevent back issues. And, and you know, we're always going to deal with some back pain and knee pain here and there, but it was never inhibiting anybody, you know, 
Taman would even say, "Dude, my back bugs me, but it's not. I can. Yeah, he's still back score like two eighty five. Yeah, you know, so a lot. Or, yeah, kilos. That was kilos, yeah, not kilos. pounds. So it's <laughs> like, I think that's how you've got to approach it. Is it? It's figuring out the asymmetries inside of that training session, and then also trying to influence them to to do things outside of training, which is hard. And I also believe that this is another. Uh, another area that we're going to see is that when we're visualizing things and you're, you're thinking about training, you you know, think about, you know, Michael Jordan shooting free throws or whatever, shooting thousands of them mentally. I think training visual visualizing things opposite side is, would actually pay off. And, and you actually see okay. uh quote quote does this. She sometimes will jerk with her left leg forward in warmups and I think it can help, like shock your nervous system like to be able to start program. You're going to start programming this. I think you just lead. It leads you to be a little more aware, and and then you switch over, and it's like, oh man, that feels better. You know, one of the ways too. I know you address. You didn't bring this up, but I know you do this to address asymmetries. Is with reflexive mo- movements. Yes, yeah, too. that because it, it forces them to. And it might take a couple reps, but yeah, as someone who has done it, I instantly notice the speed decrease yeah from the like non-dominant if you will. right yeah and that would be I'm like sure. my right leg yeah you, you know actually dude jason probably has video footage of me doing these without really warming up on my non-dominance or on my right leg where i'm yeah. like the first two i fall to my left and then by like the fourth fifth one i'm like all right now i'm better yeah. now my body's awake in the way it needs to, to roll so yeah, reflexive movement done in a unilateral stance helps with helps tremendously. Yeah, asymmetries and especially at a speed too. Yeah, at the high at the high speed because that's where it's going to transfer best to the sport. All right. I don't think we ha- we got any audience ones on this one. Okay, either. no audience questions. Now, one thing I do want to say: we have two minutes. Or I was reading some comments. And oh someone no! Someone made a comment about my sleep shirt. I forget who it was. No they way! Ta- they were talking about music to listen to while you're lifting and like oh like four. I think. I may I may be misrepresenting this question, but the way I read it was like boring <laughs> co- uh, and slow and repetitive, and I was just thinking. Wait, sleep? Like, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's some of the best music to listen to. I, well, I was gonna say, have you ever lifted at Garage Strength when Dane has <laughs> just the EDM on, and it's like more like an ambient type EDM, and it's like, yo, go max out now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, there's a band. F word buttons and it's like yeah. they're like a more popular trancey well not trance like I don't know if they're actually popular Dane. <laughs> okay, well like <laughs> more well known yeah. in the sphere of music. Um and like one song is called Surf Solar. They've got like thirty really good songs that are like droney, not droney like sleep, but yep. like but like twelve minute Yeah, get yourself in a mindset. Right, and I think that to, to to address that, I think, dude, I think songs like that sometimes, you know, that's like classic. Those are songs that it's the same response that we might have cognitively that that people who liked prog rock back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, like, and even like somebody who like Tangerine Dream, like those early electronic yeah. groups, Suspiria, yeah, yeah, like those were like. It's the same it's the same response. Like Klaus Schultz was like the first techno guy basically, like back in the eighties like seventies, seventies. Craftwork guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like 
when we started to listen to that type of music it's like we had never heard it. Humans had never heard that style. Yeah. And it's the same feeling you get when you, if you, if you listen to, I don't know, listen to soul sacrifice from Woodstock with, with Carlos Santana, where it's like, it's literally just drums for like yeah. 12, 15 minutes and you get into it and it's like, Oh, oh and it's like the singing gets you into this like rhythm. I know that's it's like my, a trance. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so. I, I loved when you said about cognitively where you go. Yeah, you, so you're like, just zoning out, and you're like, I just got to work. When it I got to let my body go. You, I, your thoughts leave you. I know the point I kind of wanted to make was, like, music that pumps people up, there's a cognitive aspect to yes. it. There's not necessarily, like, the only athlete I ever met here is uh, Bull Elk, who would listen to, like, heavy, heavy, heavy death like, metal-type music. Yeah. Now, like, I listen to death metal-type music, but it's not something I like to listen to lifting because it's so technical yeah and it's yeah tough so then you're picking up on like some yeah of the, where oh they're at 612 right now <laughs> yeah where something that's more like repetitive and simple allows more focus from me yeah your your emotions can escape yeah. and you just you just some of my execute. favorite music to lift to is just straight up radio pop music i i agree with that too like yeah. call me maybe by carly right yeah. Jepsen. just yeah. pump it up and it's just like oh wow this is real poppy is... i probably heard this about eight times in 90 different versions yeah yeah i agree with that um but yeah sleep's awesome anyway keep commenting on the shirts yo we, we should talk about one day we'll talk about that sleep concert we were supposed to go to too uh february 20th look at your calendar all right awesome freaks until next time peace Bling.